few days ago, uh, Mark Zagelberg made an announcement concerning Facebook. And how many of you are in Facebook? Let me just take a survey. Okay. Those of you who did not raise your hands, oh, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, he made an announcement a few days ago, and he said that uh, Facebook is now going to return back to its roots, and it's going to be more social now, which is interesting, because it's uh, the number one social platform, right? And, and he said there's going to be more community in Facebook from here on. And that's not really good news for those of us like myself, who is a marketing director for the Global Leadership Summit. And by the way, that's a plug-in. You know, so, you know, if you are in the South and you, you have some time, go ahead and please join us in the Global Leadership Summit at GCF South Metro. Okay? For details, go to gls.ph. Anyway. So as the marketing director, uh, that's, a, that's a really good news for us because it means that uh, we may have to try a bit harder now, trying to get people uh, interested in the Global Leadership Summit because Facebook is now going to, you know, uh, somehow its algorithm will be changed and it will be less and less, you know, advertisements and ads and all of that and more and more engagement, okay, more and more engagement, all right? So I know some of you may not really think this is something to even think about. I have a friend who has, who has um, I think, five friends in Facebook, so I, I'm sure it doesn't matter to him, you know, <laughs> what I say. But I, I am definitely excited uh, with the fact that uh, Facebook is interested in community. And, you know, IGSL is, of course, very much interested in community. And uh, because of our desire to develop leaders, you know, not just in one aspect, their heads, but also their hearts, as well as their hands, we're interested in creating an environment where there's real community going on. Now, uh, just last December, our church, which is called Real Life Christian Communities, uh, has been into this thing called community. We actually have a word for it. We call it community ship. You know, it's, it kind of, it's not found in any dictionary. We invented that word. But basically, we've been at it for about 20 years now. And one thing that I have realized, really, is that community doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen just because you put people together in the same room. It doesn't happen just because we call ourselves a small group, for example. There's more to it than that. And so, through the years, uh, through many mistakes and many experiences, both good and bad, We've come to understand that uh, creating community is not something that we can just take for granted and, and just expect it to happen just like that. Uh, there's more, actually, work needed and a lot of intentionality uh, that is placed upon those who want to create that. And that's you and me at the same time, right? Especially for, the, for, for us who are involved not just in weaning individuals to the Lord, but actually creating communities of faith. We call them churches. And so it's so vital that we understand that it's not that easy as we think. It's not just an organizational kind of thing that you, you know, put people in small groups and then expect that community will happen because they are inside a small group. It doesn't happen like that. There are challenges involved. Now, so the title of my talk is The Challenges of Creating Community. There is a passage of scripture, well, there is a book, first of all, that is very, very personal, I think, on the part of the Apostle Paul. It's 2 Corinthians. And there is a short, you know, almost 
maybe if you've read it, maybe you stall a little bit uh, on this particular part of Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, 13, just three verses. Maybe you read it and you felt like, oh, poor Paul, you know, and then you moved on, you know. But actually, those three verses is revealing to us, really, the challenge that Paul was facing as far as creating community is concerned. And I'd like to talk about that. For those of you who have studied Second Corinthians and for the, you know, Bible exegetes and the scholars here, okay, they're all looking around like, who, who's that, you know? <laughs> anyway. So for those of you who have studied Second Regions, we know that more or less we can divide the book into three parts. Uh, the first part, chapters 1 to 7, is really more about Paul explaining his actions, you know, because some people are questioning his actions and are questioning him as an apostle at the same time. Leading up to that, uh, you know, letter that is probably lost, I think. Most scholars believe that it was lost, okay, prior to Second Corinthians. Because there was first, and there was this severe letter that was sent, which uh, most scholars believe that, you know, where is that? We don't know exactly where is that. And then there's Second Corinthians. So he's referring back to that, to that particular letter where some of the Corinthians actually felt, uh, you know, offended and, you know, maybe a bit, uh, you know, uneasy uh, and so forth. So he was explaining that to, uh, you know, in chapter 7. And then chapters, chapters 8 and 9, the second part, is really our favorites because it's about giving. Amen. And then chapters uh, 10 until the end, 13, is all about the authority of the apostles. So he's, there's a lot of leadership insight in those three uh, chapters of the book of Second Corinthians. Anyway, I'd like to focus on that particular part. And uh, I'd like us to uh, just look at this passage. It's not so long because I only, I only have a few minutes. Uh, let's read that. He says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. And I'd like us to meditate on this because I think we can see three challenges here pertaining to creating community that all of us need to consider very soberly, very seriously as we embark on that journey that we are aiming to have as a, you know, as a school. And even in our churches, because oftentimes the churches that we, that we have, oftentimes is the, you know, the, the worst kinds of environment sometimes when it comes to community. There's a lot of conflict. There's, in fact, our churches went through that. I'm not judging. You know. In fact, there are, the name of our church is Real Life Christian Communities, but there was a time it was called Real Life Christian Conflict. But we, you know, passed through that. But so I'd like to pray right now and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us as we talk about this. Father, in, in the name of the Lord Jesus, you have called us to be in community with you and with one another. So that's really not easy, Lord. Apart from the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God's word, but also our cooperation, Lord God, each and every one of us. Community is not going to happen automatically. It has to require certain choices and decisions on our part, and they're tough sometimes. Some people never navigate through that, and so community sometimes is not a word that they can resonate with. So I pray right now, Father, that in this school, real community would happen as we begin to understand the challenges. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all of us say amen. Okay, so I'd like to talk about the three challenges right now. The first challenge is the challenge of honesty. The first challenge is the challenge of honesty. Paul says this, okay? 
He said, we have spoken freely to you. And if you read uh, the book of 2 Corinthians, and even, you know, especially the book of 2 Corinthians, you would notice that um, Paul was really, you know, is that, there's an expression, right? Uh, showing your heart on your sleeves, is that the expression there? You know, or something, yeah? Revealing your heart. Wearing your heart on your sleeve, okay? Something to that effect, thank you. So basically, honesty is not something that we can just expect would happen naturally just because we're together in a room. And honesty, of course, would require trust. And by default, we are not really trusting. And especially if we have had experiences in the past where we've been hurt. Anybody here have been hurt in some kind of relational? Nobody's Nobody's honest, right? Okay. So it's not easy to be honest. It's not easy to, you know, bear your soul, to speak freely, and to to tell, you know, people uh, how you're feeling. And then he said, you know, and open wide our hearts to you. Those two expressions, speaking freely, opening opening wide their hearts. This tells us that Paul is saying to the Corinthians that it is important to really be honest and transparent and authentic to one another, and that's never a given. That requires a lot of trust. It also requires a lot of acceptance of one another because sometimes in the Christian circles, there is that idea that we're not supposed to be weak in faith and we're not supposed to tell others that we're struggling because, you know, shame on you. Why don't you trust God more? And so sometimes people keep to themselves the very things that they need to share, the very things that they need to be open about. I, I, I was awakened late at night uh, there were several months ago by a call uh, from a church member who was telling me in a panicking voice that a certain, certain young person was now being taken to jail. And I said, what happened? What, 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 what happened here? And, he, and, he, and the person on the other line was just crying and saying, please, pastor, come, you know, go to the police station, etc., blah, blah, blah. So I went there, and there I saw the, the, the leader, a lead, one of our leaders, who was now inside the jail, okay? And so I asked what happened. And I was told that uh, this young leader was caught molesting a young lady in a public place. And so when I heard that, it just shocked me because I always see this person in church. And he's a very active leader serving God. And it's not the only thing that was revealed because when I talked to him further, I, I found out, okay, that he was into pornography, that he was, you know, struggling with a lot of sexual addictions and all of that, and it was just coming out. And I, I remember that particular uh, time that he faced his small group and confessed all of this. Like his small group were just looking at him, you know, crying like they couldn't believe <laughs> what they were hearing. Because all the time they were just going out, you know, playing basketball, doing all sorts of things. It's like their jaws were hanging out there like, what? And he was not telling anybody about it. And so I asked him one time, and I was, you know, he's now under counseling and all of that. I asked him why. And he said, I couldn't tell everybody about it, especially my small group, because whenever we come together, you know, and we ask each other, you know, how are you doing? And everybody says, you know, praise God, you know, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. 
And they were all trying to impress one another about, you know, is everything okay with you? They, were, they have one standard answer, you know. Well, everything is okay, you know. The Lord is good and he's working out everything for the good and blah, blah, blah. All the cliches. And no one, no one ever really knew what he was going through. And he was not honest. And you know one of the shocking things that could really happen for those of us who are in the ministry is that we are living lies. And we are not transparent. And those of you, including myself, who are in senior leadership, I'm the senior pastor of our church, it can be so easy sometimes to, you know, uh, do the clergy thing. You know the clergy thing? So when you're in your church, like, God bless you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you know. It's like the clergy thing, okay? And when and you're praying, even though you're not really praying all the time, that's all the time that you pray, but hallelujah. Yeah. I just pray for this person, you know, and blah, 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 whatever. Okay. And, of course, if church members were to ask me, so, Pastor Bo, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, God is awesome. And sometimes it's hard to be honest because you're thinking, what will, be, what will they think about me? What will they say? I can imagine faculty, you know, can I speak to the faculty? Am I allowed to do that? Okay. I mean, we're the faculty. You look, at, you look up at us, right? I mean, most reverend, most high. You know, like. And you won't, won't think that we have clay feet. And so sometimes inside the ISG, there could be a lot of dishonesty. Even from the ISG leader himself. And he has to probably bite the bullet, you know, and be the first person to be vulnerable inside the group so that others can be encouraged to also talk about the things that are re- they're really struggling with. And, and it's not just negative. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that ISG is supposed to be like a counseling kind of, where everybody has a, you know, suicidal face, you know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that there ought to be, if there's any place, I believe, where we can just be ourselves and be transparent and be honest and not be afraid about how others might think about us, it should be in the church. Sometimes I discover some of our church members can be more honest with their friends than with their church mates. And so they live a lie. And I, I, I've discovered you cannot grow and become the kind of person God wants you to be if you, if you cannot live in community with other people, beginning with that thing called honesty. And just being honest. And just saying the truth about who you are and what you're going through and I was, just, I was just watching a, a movie, not really watching the whole thing, but just part of it. And the title of the movie is Split. I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's Split. It's about this multiple personality kind of problem, right? So there is this uh, bad person in the movie who's changing into different kinds of characters. And I was thinking, you know, sometimes leaders are like that. We change characters. <laughs> when we are at home, we are ourselves, hopefully. But then when we are in a church situation or a school, we act differently. Sometimes even our, the tone of voice becomes different. You know, have you noticed when people are preaching, how their voice suddenly changes? <laughs> and they're not authentic. So anyway, it's a challenge. Do, do you agree? So really, building trust 
And by the way, that's the reason why ISG goes out and you know, plays golf together and stuff like that. It's to break down the walls so that we can be honest, right? So it's hard work. Say that with me, hard work. Because there are some people who are, is that correct to say, sicker? <laughs> they have more negative experiences in the past that prevent them from really trusting others. So just because you are called a pastor doesn't mean you're healed. Sometimes there's, there's a lot of strongholds pulling you back. So even though in your ISG people are asking you questions, you refuse to be honest. Anyway, let me move on. Because the second challenge is the challenge of responsibility. In as much as I wish everybody would be honest in our church or in our you know, church pastoral team and stuff like that, I realize I cannot really force it. I cannot point a gun at you and force you to be honest. <laughs> and I think that's what Paul is trying to say here. He said, we are not withholding our affection from you. In the Greek, he starts off with the idea of withholding, and he's saying that's not us. We're not the one guilty of restraining you. That's the word that he used in Greek. So we're not restraining you. Okay? Don't, don't look at us. We're not the ones restraining or preventing you okay, from, from really opening up to us. And he said that the next word is, uh, but he said, you are withholding yours from us. And I think what he's saying here is that there, there are two things that I see in this passage. One is, as the ISG leader, or as the faculty, and everyone else, we can actually uh, enable, enable or encourage openness in the ISG, or we can actually discourage that. Let me just point out a few things that maybe you're not aware of doing. I've done this many times myself. You know, like when somebody's talking, I use my cell phone, and I say, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure, I'm listening. And that little action or little behavior communicates to the person, like, what I'm saying with my behavior is that, please finish off with this sharing thing so that we can move on and eat, you know, or something like that. Without, you know, intentionally saying it, sometimes we do that. Not, not looking at each other's eyes, for example. Look at the person beside you, look at their eyes. Those are beautiful eyes, right? <laughs> but you know, when you're saying something about you, something really personal, something that maybe is making you vulnerable, you're checking the signals around you, and you, you are asking yourself, are they listening? Do they really want, do they really care? And you know what happens when they sense, you know, this feeling like they don't really care. Immediately the story stops short. In the middle of the story, they would say, uh, so that's it, just pray for me. That's it, it's done. They don't continue on. Because sometimes the very behavior that we you know, do in the group, does not, it's actually restraining people from opening up. Instead of asking follow-up questions, like, tell me how you feel about it. It's interesting that he uses the word affections there. Because uh, for those of you who, who know, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Greek culture, affections are often centered in the vowels. Right? Oh, vowels. Vowels, not vowels. Right? That's A, B, C, right? Sorry. <laughs> Forgive me for those of you who are skillful. But vowels, right? And, and that's, you know, that's easy to understand. For those of us, when we think about emotions, we think of the heart, you see. But for the Greeks, they think about the, the vowels, right? And the reason is because, really, that's where you feel things, right? If you're afraid, you get, uh, you know, like if you're, if you're nervous, there's butterflies in your stomach or... You know, if there's tension or stress, you know, you get diarrhea and stuff like that, you know. That's where your feelings are happening, right? Not so much here. 
Here you get stressed out and you're sent to St. Luke's. But down here, you know, that's where you feel things, right? So he's saying that, you know, you're not really opening up. You're not really bringing out what is inside of you. And I think that's a responsibility that, that, that is a challenge to all of us. Because sometimes, even if you try to encourage people to speak out and share, they don't want to. I was, uh, I, I was on my way to the men's room one time, and I saw a, a young person, obviously depressed, you know, he's, he's sitting there, and I, I said, what's wrong? I said, what's happening? And he just looked at me and said, Pastor Bong, I'm, I'm planning to leave the church. So that got my attention, okay? <laughs> so I sat down, and I talked, and I said, why? Well, nobody really cares for me, he said. Really? Uh, and said, you know, no, everybody's smiling, but I know what they're thinking. They're thinking bad about me. Oh, really? How do you know that? I just know. <laughs> wow, you're a prophet. You know? <laughs> I didn't really, of course, we are in a non-profit organization, so that's <laughs> expected, okay? But he said, uh, you know, people don't really care about me. And uh, tell me more, I said, you know. I said, well, people will come up to me, and they would say, hi, you know, how are you doing? And I know they're not really sincere. How do you know that? I can just see it in their eyes. You see it in their eyes? Because <laughs> when they ask, you know, or when they, they, they talk to me, it's like they're not interested, they're not willing to wait for my answer. Okay. So what about, you belong to a small group, right? I said, he said, yes, and I'm planning to leave that too. So why? Because everybody is, you know, texting me, calling me, and what do you do? I don't call back, I don't text back. Why? Because I know they're not really sincere. I said, you know what? <laughs> This won't work. <laughs> People are trying their very best to reach out to you. They're not perfect. They have their own fears, like they might be rejected and stuff like that. But you're, you know, I understand boundaries. We know boundaries, right? Boundaries are important in relationships. But I said, you're not putting up a boundary. You're not defining your boundary. You're putting up a wall. <laughs> a wall is different from a boundary. Because the wall says, me, like, like, don't touch me, don't, don't friend me, don't text me, don't, you know, don't ever like my photos in Facebook. <laughs> Wait a second, what's wrong? Okay. Why, why, why are you just closing down yourself? Then that's it. I think what, that's what Paul was saying there. You're withholding yours. We're trying our best. We're not the ones who's guilty here of creating an environment where you cannot be open. But you're the one making a decision not to be open. Can I be honest? Brothers and sisters here at IJSL, you're my family, even though you don't see me all the time, but I love you. Uh, can, can we be honest? You know, sometimes also when, when I come here, uh, of course, most of you don't know me, but the faculty, hopefully know, they know me. Hi. <laughs> and uh, like, you know, you, you don't see each other. It doesn't depend on the, the place. or you, It doesn't really depend on, on anything. It, it depends on how we decide on things. So sometimes uh, some faculty, I won't, I won't name them, they might be angry. But, but sometimes people ask me, so well, how are you? <laughs> and they're on their way. <laughs> but there are times that people actually stop at the corridor, like just a while ago somebody said, so how are you? How are you doing your, with your dissertation? I said, <laughs> dissertation? <laughs> okay, so I, I could share and you know, reveal my... It's hard to talk about emotions, don't you agree? Because emotions is very much who you are, like your, like your fingerprint. Okay? So that's why emotions are difficult to share. 
But that's where, the, that's where real community begins, when you're able to talk about how you're feeling, right? Because what I've noticed is, that, you know, in a small group, even though they call themselves a small group, that the sharing is more like, like over here, okay? How are you doing? I'm, I'm great. You know, God is doing a lot of things. Our church is growing, blah, blah, blah. It's over here, you know. Tell me more about how you feel. Feel? Feel? Like feeling? Emojis? Feelings, you know? It's like, let's not talk about that because uh, I get vulnerable. I might, I might cry. Right? So, it's a challenge, really. Amen? Being in a small, being in an ISG doesn't mean that you're going to have community unless you're willing to be honest. And you're willing to take the responsibility both on both sides. Like, those who are leading or creating the environment should enable honesty to happen, right? By their actions. As a leader, You've got to have multiple eyes. Do you know that? As a small group leader? Because as, like, if Pastor Neil is in my group and he's sharing, my eyes is all over the place. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And I'm seeing this person who's playing with his, eye, with, with his phone. <laughs> and I stop and I say, wait a second, let's listen to Neil. That requires more work, right? Rather than just having this small group meeting. So, I really believe that it's a challenge, to be honest. Challenge. It's a challenge to take responsibility, but it's also, I like to end with this, it's a challenge of accountability here. It's a challenge of accountability. And I like what uh, the Apostle Paul says. He says, as a fair exchange, that's quite business-like, right? <laughs> so fair exchange. He says, and then he adds, I speak uh, as to my children. I speak as to my children. You know, uh, the millennials in our church, they have ways of talking that I'm trying to catch up. I don't understand a lot of the words. I'm not millennial. I'm centennial, so you can understand. I'm, I don't really understand the, the way they talk to each other. But I'm, I'm learning. So one of the, 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 the acronyms they, I hear them say is DTR. I don't know if you've heard of it. DTR. It's defining the relationship. Okay? Huh. The young people say, ah, I learned something today, you know. Of all the things that he said about the Bible, that one is more important, you know. <laughs> like DTR, okay. So defining the relationship. Now, what that is basically is that, you know, because, you know, for the millennials, and, and those of you centennials probably cannot understand this, but for the millennials, you know, there's a lot of, you know, like, okay, maybe it's us, maybe it's not us, you know. I think we are, and maybe, maybe we are not, you know. And so if you ask a couple of young people walking, maybe holding hands, and I would are you two? No. Are are you? Are you? Are you boyfriend girl? Why are you close? So there's a lot of indefiniteness there. Like, I'm confused, you know, because during my era, it's you know, it's either you you have a relationship or you don't have a relationship, right? And when you start going out on dates and holding hands and stuff like that, ah, okay, that's boyfriend girlfriend, right? But today it's no longer like that, okay? They'll be holding hands and being sweet to each other. And if you ask them, are you two like <laughs> And they'll say, no, Pastor, no. Why are you? No, anyway. So anyway, so they came up with the idea of DTR, which is that dangerous kind of situation wherein you call out accountability. You say, what is really going on here? I remember my youngest son approaching me one time over dinner, and he was teary-eyed, and he said, Dad, please bring me to another small group. I said, why? <laughs> he said, I don't like my small group. Really? What's, what's wrong? 
So in my small group, all we do is just laugh and play games and laugh and play games and there's no seriousness. What do you mean? Well, you know, nobody wants to talk about the real spiritual stuff. Wow, that's my son. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So proud. Proud dad here. Okay. Anyway, he said, I'm, I want to leave my small group because they don't talk about the kingdom of God. <laughs> Go for it, son. You know, like, yeah. That's my son. But, it's, but I, he kept on complaining about all the things that he sees in his small group. And he was basically giving me reasons why his small group is not the kind of small group that he wants to be in. And so I asked him a question. So I said, what have you done so far? And he said, what do you mean? Have you called out to this group? Have you DTR'd the group? <laughs> Have you spoken out and say, I think our group is shallow? And he said, I, I can't do that. I said, why? Well, you know, they might think I'm the son of the pastor. Well, that you are. I mean, you're the son of the pastor, my goodness, right? And they might think I'm too spiritual. You know, forget about that. The quality of your small group depends on the accountability of each and every person in the group. And whether it would become a real community or not, you cannot blame, you know, you cannot point fingers at one another and say, well, you know, they're like this. No, every, everything that happens in a small group is the result of what the small group members are doing. And so it's DTR. How many of you have the courage to actually say to the group in the middle of all the laughing and say, uh, <coughs> excuse me? I think uh, we're not being honest here. Yeah. That's threatening, right? The whole group begins to be quiet and say, what do you mean? You know? I think, you know, this, this friend of ours is trying to tell us something about what is going on, and we're all laughing, and we're all not seriously taking it into consideration, and we're just moving forward to whatever it is that we want to do, and I think we should stop and pause. And what, what are we all about anyway? What are we trying to do here? Are we playing games? Are we really trying to create community, Christian community? If you say yes, then I think we need to work hard on this. And not just assume that it will happen just because we're together in the same room. So, all I'm saying is that community is great. But it doesn't happen just like that. Just because we call our group ISG, for example, doesn't mean it will become ISG, our Evan Shepherding group. It depends on each person in the group. Making a decision, to be honest, taking responsibility for how they are affecting the group. And, and yes, often, and hope, hopefully, there will be a time that we would call, call out accountability upon each other and say, wait a second, I think our group are just playing around. Maybe we need to just take seriously, you know, what's going on in our group and make the necessary decisions to change. So, I do believe that through community, it's not about proximity, and for those of you who may not understand what proximity means, it's a, it's a Greek word. <laughs> no, it's not, of course. It means being in the same place. That's, that's the meaning of the word. So it's not really about proximity, but intentionality. That's what I've learned for the past 20 years. We've got to be intentional about it because it doesn't happen just like that. So maybe in your next ISG... Maybe that's the time for you to just say, can I be honest? 
And maybe each one can look at themselves and say, am I contributing to the climate that allows real community to happen? What's my responsibility here? And if you see anything that you think like, this is not real community, we're just playing games here, call it out. Have a DTR moment. <laughs> Define the relationship. And say, let's just talk about it. What are we trying to do? Is this just a requirement in, in IGSL? Or are we, is this really essential to our spiritual formation? Because if it is, let's stop playing games and let's start being serious about the task. <laughs>